Hallelujah. Well, God is wonderful, isn't he? Yes. We serve a good God, a faithful God, a God whom we can depend on. Yes. I want to talk with you today about possessing a kingdom mindset. You know, around us there are so many distractions, there's so many things that want to have our attention and and uh, it's so easy to get our minds off of heavenly things. <clears throat> and I know what the old saying is, you know, you got to be careful that you're not so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Uh, the problem with that, that isn't scriptural. You won't find that any place in the Bible. In fact, <clears throat> Uh, I've never run into that individual that is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, never, never, never met him. Um, now I think we can get religiously minded. The problem with religion is, is then we become no earthly good because religion is man trying to do his deal. And the problem with that is, is we'll never truly represent and present Jesus. Will the Bible refers to it as a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. And so we don't want to deny the power of God, we want to represent him rightly. And so we do need to have a kingdom mindset. And, and as Christians, uh, one of the first things that we're here to do is to establish his kingdom. Now we know that God has a heavenly kingdom and ultimately, you know, that's our goal, that our, that's our destination, um, to be in heaven with him. But <clears throat> we're to establish his kingdom here on earth. You know, on Wednesday night we're going to beginning, be beginning a new series and, and it's going to be the believer's authority. And, and when we're talking about that, we're going to be talking about the fact that when God created man, he gave him dominion. You go back to Genesis 1 and you see that when God created man, he gave man authority. He gave man dominion over the earth. And it was to establish God's kingdom here on earth. But because man was distracted, because man, even at the very beginning, couldn't keep a kingdom mindset, he bought into the lie of the enemy and uh, was distracted and tried to gain something that he already had. And see, that's the problem when we try to establish our own kingdom. We try to establish something that really already belongs to us because all authority has been given to us in the name of Jesus and he's given us that dominion. And so in Matthew, the 10th chapter, in the seventh verse, Jesus is speaking here. And he says to his disciples that they're to go out and to preach. And he tells them what they're supposed to preach. He tells them, go out and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, the kingdom of God was at hand there. It's, it's available and it's part of our lives. And, and part of it is, is that we need to talk about it. We need to preach it. We need to present it. One of the interesting things that we find out about the Apostle Paul was, you know, he had this tremendous revelation of grace and, 
and the church and, and how we are the body of Christ. You know, all of that was revelation that was presented to Paul that he wrote down, that he presented, that he preached. But this is what I want us to notice concerning Paul. In, in the book of Acts, in the 28th chapter, in the 30th verse, <clears throat> Acts 28, 30, and it says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his rented house and received all who came to him. And this is what he did preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence for no one forbidding him. And so what did Paul preach? He preached the kingdom. So what is it when we're preaching the kingdom? It's all about Jesus. It's what he represents. It's about what he has established here on, on earth. And so Paul was concerned about doing the works of God, doing the works of Jesus. And his entire ministry was based on presenting or preaching the kingdom. And so if that's what was commanded by Jesus, go and preach, present the kingdom, and Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the epistles of the New Testament, and he went about preaching the kingdom. Well, it seems quite obvious to me, then what we need to do is to go out and we ought to be presenting or preaching the kingdom as well. But around us, social humanism, what it wants to do is it wants to put down everything that Jesus represents. It wants to call good bad and wants to call bad good. It wants to come against it and wants to stop us from presenting what Jesus told us to present. You know, isn't it interesting when, <clears throat> I believe it was Peter and John that were, uh, were arrested and they were thrown into prison. And uh, when they were taken before the, the court, the Sanhedrin, they couldn't find anything against them because... Uh, they said, you know, what they're doing, there's, there's literally miracles that are taking place here. We can't deny that. And so <clears throat> let's, just, let's just beat them and send them away and uh, not allow them to preach in that name anymore. And the name that they're talking about is Jesus. And you can't separate Jesus from the kingdom. And so what were they preaching? They were preaching what Jesus had told them to preach. They were preaching on the kingdom. And so what did the world want to do? They wanted to discourage that. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't matter how much good the church does, the world will always try to shut it down. You know, for the last 25 years at least, We've been going into the prisons. And, you know, the, you know, they've got a technical term that they use for it, but I just call it repeats. The, the, the number is very high. You know, probably nationwide, it's probably something like, I don't know, do you know, Terry, isn't it like 80% or something like that? 
it, it's, it's very high. And here we were in the state of Iowa, and we had a program that was known as Interchange. It was down in the institution, down in Rock, down in Newton, in our uh, maximum security prison down there, and they had a pod, one of the housing units, and it was, was focused on interchange. And so all the state had to do was to provide housing and food and jobs for these individuals when they're available, which they have to do for every inmate. Interchange provided schooling, instruction, and brought individuals from the outside in to do the teaching and so forth. <clears throat> and the repeat rate with those that went through interchange was practically the opposite. A turnaround from what the secular process was. In other words, it was more like about 80% that didn't return. But you know, you gotta have separation of church and state. And so do you know what we did as a state? It was closed down. You know what, everything's returned back to normal. You know, I go into two institutions, more one now than the other, but guess what? We get reintroduced to guys practically on a weekly basis who have gone out on our back end. Now Texas had enough sense to keep interchange, so you have one thing going for you. One thing, you get that one thing. But see, that's how the world thinks. And really there was a separation of church and state because all the state was providing was what they already had to provide for every single inmate that we institutionalize. Everything else was provided by outside sources. In fact, it was a blessing to the state because, do you know what? <clears throat> you know, when I have a worship service at, at uh, Rockwell City or at Fort Dodge, um, the staff is free of about 30 guys because they come in there and they're in there for, well, I don't know how long it is for everybody else, but for me it's about two hours and the guards don't, even, don't have to worry about it. They don't even come in and check out and see if we're having any difficulty. They don't have to look at those 30 guys for two hours because we're providing something that they're interested in. And see, that's how the world works. And that's what we see happening in society today. The things that, that God wants to provide for us and it's gonna benefit us, and it actually benefits our environment and those around us, they wanna shut it down because of separation of church and state or whatever. No, that isn't even it. You know what it is? It's because there's an enemy that wants to close your mouth, that wants to keep you from speaking. 
Because when we speak the word of God, when we speak the kingdom of God, it sets people free. We may not see the immediate manifestation of it, but it brings freedom into the lives of individuals. Jesus said in Matthew, the sixth chapter and 33rd verse, he said, seek first, not second, not third, not fourth. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, all these other things, all this other stuff shall be added unto us. And what does the world want to do? What does even so much of the church want us to do? It wants us to focus on the stuff. It wants us to focus on the things around us. We're dominated by, by the stuff. And the moment the stuff begins to dominate our life, our thoughts, we lose sight of the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom and all these other things are gonna be added unto us. And why is that so important? It's the way we think about, it's our, talking about this morning, our mindset. What have we set our mind upon? What are we, what are we thinking on? A passage you're all very familiar with it because we quote it all the time, Proverbs 23, 7. And it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What we think about dominates our life. What our mind is focused on dominates our thought life. And so we need to come to the place where we know and we understand the Word of God. You know, my devotional reading this morning from Brother Hagin's Faith Foods, he put a quote in there, and it was from a, a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth was the one who said, the Bible says that I believe it and that settles it. And Brother Hagin said that he had it written and read in the front of his Bible because he always wanted to be reminded, the Bible says it, I believe it. You know what, we, we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the place where because the Bible says it, I believe it. It isn't about my circumstances. It isn't about the things that are going on around me. The Bible says it. I believe it. And it's settled. You know, somebody told me one time, you know, <clears throat> the Bible says it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Well, the only problem with that is, is I have to believe it. Just because the Bible says it, it may be settled in heaven, but it's not settled in my life until I believe it, until I acknowledge that it's truth. And so that I begin to, I begin to walk in it. <clears throat> I don't remember, it was last week one day, I was, and I don't even remember, even remember which preacher I saw on, the, uh, on TV, but he was talking about he wasn't using the terminology mindset, but he was basically talking about that. And he was, he was talking about uh, Abraham. And he was talking about the faith of Abraham. And <clears throat> let me just read what the New Testament says about the faith of Abraham. 
And it's in Romans, uh, the fourth chapter in the 19th verse. I'm going to read the 19th through the 20th verse. And it says, And not being weak in faith. Now this is talking about Abraham. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And there, <coughs> excuse me, and therefore, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. But this individual, this preacher, made a very interesting statement. He said, you know, <clears throat> and he says, I'm not making light of what Abraham believed. But Abraham didn't have all of our distractions. After that promise was given to Abraham, he wasn't able to go onto the internet and see what percentage of women in their late 90s are able to become pregnant. Well, what the internet would have popped up was probably 0%. Oh my. Not much chance there. Or, you know, I, I'm almost uh, about 100 years old. And am I even fertile anymore? And so he goes on to the internet and checks it out. And, mm, nope, the percentage is pretty low. I, 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 just, I just don't know if this, I don't know if this is going to happen. Didn't have the news media telling him all the negative about what's going on. Didn't have this, that, and the other thing going on around him. <clears throat> you see, Abraham had the word of God. Not, not to say that there weren't things that were, were, were trying to come against him because he, he had to not consider. Do you, you hear that? He had to not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He had to not consider the fact that he was a hundred years old. He had to not consider those things. You know, <clears throat> the Bible also talks about Lot, Abraham's nephew. And we see the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah we, we see the destruction because the cities and the region and everything around it have become completely evil. And so there was no attitude of repentance there. And so, you know, we, we remember the story where the angels of the Lord appeared. To, they were there with Abraham. And Abraham said, you know, if there's, if there's a dozen, if there's ten, if there's eight. You know, he got down, I don't remember where, and he was obviously convinced that there would be at least that many righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I, I'm, I'm convinced if he had kept going down, God would have kept going down with him. 
But he hit this number and, and they went in and, and, and we see the city, it's completely evil. Even, even Lot is totally distracted. His, obviously his sons-in-laws and others of his family went the way of the world. Why? Because of the influence that was in the city that was in their life. And so often in our lives, that's, that's the influence, that's the, the mindset that we get. We begin to see ourselves no different than what the world. You know, it says concerning uh, Noah, when God spoke to him to, to build the ark. You know, and, and people all the time say, well, that was, that was judgment on the earth. No, in reality, when you look at it, what you see is it was God's grace and mercy upon humanity. Because it says, but for Lot and his household, the knowledge of God because of the wickedness that was in the world was completely lost. Their mindset was totally contrary to ever thinking on the things of God. And this world that we live in, that's what it wants to accomplish. That's what it wants to produce in your life and in my life. It wants us to think on anything other than the things of God. It wants our minds to be set on anything other than the things of God. I love football. And, uh, you know, last week was an interesting week. And so when Saturday came, I did fertilize my lawn. But other than that, I just, I was just going to chill out all day. And I chilled out all day. And uh, football started at 11 in the morning. And I watched football. And I watched football. And I watched football. Actually, my football watching started Thursday night because the Gophers played and the Vikings played. And Friday night was Ram football, go Rams. And then Saturday, I watched football and watched football and watched football and watched football. Till finally about 10.30 I thought, I really don't think I can handle another down. My mind was totally focused in that direction. And I love football. <clears throat> and I, I know somebody's gonna probably throw something at me, but there is absolutely zero eternal value in football. There you go, women. Should have, should have heard every woman in the house. Amen on that one, right? But there isn't. But see, you know, is it interesting how it's progressed? I remember where you used to be able to watch one college football game on Saturday, and you'd watch one pro game on Sunday, and that was it. And you know what? We survived. 
But then we get ESPN, we get Fox Sports, we get CBS Sports, everything, and it's from, it's from morning to night. And folks, that's just one subject. We've got 24 hour a day news on Fox, on CB, so you can get whichever slant you want to take. You want to be a liberal? You can find news media 24 hours a day. You want to think of yourself as a conservative? You can find news media 24 hours a day. And you know what? There isn't any eternal value in any of it. And the reason for it is, is it distracts us from what's really important, which is the kingdom of God. And see, that's what the enemy really wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to distract us. Lot was distracted. Now, he was able to hang on enough so that he and his daughters were saved. But you know what? Even his wife looked back. And guess what the enemy wants you to do? He wants you to look back. He doesn't want you to be looking forward. He wants you to be looking back. What happens with our past? When we dwell there, we're drawn back to it. Because that's where our mindset gets established. God wants us to move forward. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind <coughs> be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have a part to play in it. What am I allowing my mind to dwell upon? What am I allowing my mind to be set upon because I'm the one that's going to determine that. His kingdom is the governing impact of his will over a territory. What does that mean? You know what? Each and, of all, each and every one of us, we have a territory or we have a sphere of influence. And what our mind is set on is what's going to determine how we're going to influence our area that we've been given or our territory, how we're going to influence it. <clears throat> this is probably going to sound like kind of a strange passage to read at this point, but I'm going to read it just the same. In Colossians 3.22, it says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Now, I don't know what that passage talks to you about, but what that passage tells me is <clears throat> that when I'm on the job, I, would, I ought to be the best employee that I can possibly be. Servants obey in all things your master. Well, you know, you say, well, that's talking about slavery. Well, not entirely. 
It's talking about when we're to be in submission to somebody else. And you know, a lot of times our sphere of influence is where we work because we spend so much time there. And how are we influencing the individuals that are around us? That, that's, just, that's just one area, that's where I'm beginning. How are we influencing those individuals? By our actions, by the words that we speak, by what they see in our life? How are we influencing them? How are we promoting the kingdom of God? And it's not gonna probably be by <clears throat> standing up and raising our hands and saying, hallelujah, praise you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. It's gonna be by our actions, by what we do. Some of you, well, probably all of you, if not most of you, have heard the story of when I was plumbing for John's Plumbing down in Arnold, Missouri when I was going to Bible school. And uh, John was a practicing heathen. I mean, I think he, because I'm in, I'm in Bible school, I'm in seminary. And so I, I'm not sure, but I, I think maybe he curses for my benefit. You know, and uh, just not a very saintly individual. And so I'm, I've worked for him for some time now, probably about a year and a half. And we have, and I haven't witnessed to him. And I, I'm, I'm feeling guilty because By all, by all outward appearances, this dude's going to hell. You understand what I mean? I, I mean, he, he ain't saved. And uh, I'm, I'm, most times I'm feeling guilty because I'm thinking, I should be witnessing to this guy because he's without hope, but it's, it's just like the opportunity is never there. I don't ever take the opportunity, whatever it may be. And so we have an ice storm. And I get in my 63 Corvair and I drive to work. It's about 30 mile drive or so and from Goldman to Arnold. And I get there and there's nothing going on. And so I go to the house and I knock on the door and, and uh, his wife comes to the door and she says, what are you doing here? And I said, work? And she says, we're not taking the trucks out in this stuff. It's too icy. So you might as well come in and have a cup of coffee before you drive home because we're not, we're not taking the trucks out today. So I go in and have a cup of coffee and we sit down at their kitchen table, John and his wife and I. And for two hours, they asked me questions about the things of God. And I began to understand why I never felt impressed to witness to him. Because in the process of the conversation, John tells me how when he used to be in the Union and he worked in St. Louis, there was this Christian there. And he said we had to cover for him all the time. We had to, he was always hiding. He was never completing the jobs. He says, I thought if this is what a Christian is, I would have absolutely nothing to do with him. Let me tell you something. How we're seeing on our daily basis is what really determines 
our witness. It isn't the words that come out of our mouth. It isn't because we sound spiritual. It's because we are spiritual. And so for two and a half hours or two hours, they asked me questions about the kingdom of God and the things of God, and I was able to share with them the gospel message. Now, they didn't pray the prayer with me. We didn't get that far. They never wanted to do that. But I believe there were seeds that were sown. And I believe if, G, if John is still in this earth, if he's passed on from here, I believe that those seeds were able to take root and somebody else was able to water those seeds. And he's now a part of the kingdom of God. But you know what? If I would just have been a bunch of words that were being spoken and not lived it out in front of them, I don't believe we would have ever I would have ever had the opportunity to share with them. And if I had, it would have been just dead words dropping, about, dropping on dead ears that didn't want to hear anything. The kingdom of God mindset. You see, we don't just have that mindset on Sunday morning when we come to church. We ought to have that mindset every moment of every day because our real ministry isn't in here. Our real ministry is out there when we impact and we touch the lives of other people. Reading on, it says in the uh, 23rd verse, and whatever you do, and whatever you do, did you catch that? And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. In everything we do, everything we do, we serve Jesus. We serve the kingdom. And that's why Jesus said, preach the kingdom everywhere we go. Demonstrate the kingdom everywhere we go. Because if we don't do that, what happens is the influence of the world is going to impact us more than the Word of God. Because let me tell you, that can happen extremely easy and none of us are, are uh, not susceptible to the world's influence in our lives. In, in 2 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, I'm gonna read from the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 7.17. It says, therefore, you must do away, we must do away with our old mindsets once we become born again. We must do away with our old mindsets. Because you know what? Every one of us, when we came into the kingdom, we had our mindset on some things. We were, we were persuaded of some things. And you know in Romans 12, 2, where it says that we're to renew our minds by the word of God, that's a 
That's a continuous process that we encounter, that we continue to go through. I mean, it isn't a one-time event. Oh, I've got my mind renewed. And it isn't something that, that just happens the first part of our walk with God and then we get it perfected and we don't ever have to go through it anymore. <clears throat> That's why we need to read the Word of God, or as it says in, in Joshua, that we need to meditate on the Word day and night. We need to keep it continuously before us because when we do that, we're going to have good success. We're going to be prosperous in all of our ways. But notice, it's something that is continuous in our lives as believers. It isn't an event. It's a lifelong process. The reason why it has to be a lifelong process is along the way, there are always things that come along that want to influence us. They want to draw us away. And you know what the problem is, is even though we may have the Word of God within us. You know, I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, the most damning lie is the lie that's the closest to the truth. And that's what the en enemy wants to do. He wants to influence us. And oftentimes his influence is so subtle. It gives us the appearance of being good when in reality is destruction. And so we need to continually be filled and infilled with the Word of God, with the truth of God's Word, so that our mind is set upon the things of God, the truth of God's Word. It's to renew or to give us a new mindset, but it's also there to establish and keep our mind set, to keep our mind set on the things of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is what I want you to know. Every one of us Are ministers. We may not have a title. Let me tell you something about a title. A title means absolutely nothing. It's what's behind it that really matters. And each and every one of us, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so I guess if you want a title, you've got the title of Minister of Reconciliation. But titles don't mean anything. And oftentimes what we're searching for is we're searching for a title. And all that that title does is it represents something oftentimes that we want to be. But we don't want to exert the effort that's necessary to demonstrate what that title represents. The number one title that I want, and I want to be recognized for, is Christian. And if I'm going to be recognized as a Christian, I need to demonstrate that with those around about me. You know, it's interesting when Paul and Silas were prayed for, 
And it says that uh, the elders of the church had come together and they had prayed. And by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it was spoken to them that Paul and Silas were to have hands laid on them to, that they might be placed in the ministry to which they were already called, or in the ministry that they were already functioning in. And a lot of times we want a title so that we can function. You don't need a title to function. You need to function in what God has called you to do. He's called you to be a preacher of the kingdom. He's called you and I to preach it and present the kingdom to those around about us. And we do that not just simply by our words, because if we only do it by our words, we're going to be like the plumber in the union down in St. Louis, where everybody thought he was just a bunch of noise because his life didn't represent it. Our life needs to represent it, and we need to present it to those around us. And so each and every one of us, we have a ministry. We have a call. And if we can't figure what it, out what it is, well, it's the ministry of reconciliation and goes in all different directions. And what the ministry of reconciliation is, our primary purpose in sucking air is to present Jesus to a lost and dying world so that they can have hope that they can know that there's a life available to them after this. You know, I'm also reading Ecclesiastes, and who is this all there is? But you know what? That's the majority of the world. They look around them and they do all the stuff that everybody wants to do. And when they're done doing the stuff, they look around and they say, is this all there is? <clears throat> they have no hope beyond it. But we have an answer for them. Is this all there is? No. There is so much more. And we find it in Jesus. We find it in the kingdom. But how are they going to find it? Unless somebody shows them. You know, in, 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 in Romans 10, when Paul's talking about it, he, he talks about it from the standpoint of, of preaching. But, you know, preaching isn't just about, about the words that come out of our, our mouths. It's, it's what, are we, what are we demonstrating to people? You know, how shall they hear? unless they be a preacher. How shall they know that there's a life beyond what they can see in this secular realm unless there be somebody that's willing to present it to them? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they be sent? Or how, we, how can we present it unless we, unless we go? And when we go, we're willing to be a true representative of Christ Jesus and of who he is. That we might represent him rightly. There's so many Christians that represent Christ wrongly. They're constantly complaining about how difficult it is 
to be a Christian and this, that, and the other thing. Well, let me tell you something. If we have the right mindset, we realize that even though everything around me may appear to be going to hell in a handbasket, my life is so wonderful. I could be going to hell, but I'm not. I'm going to heaven. I could be living a hopeless life, but I have hope because I have Jesus. It appears that this world is heading for destruction. And it is. I read the end of the book. But I don't have to worry about that. Because I have a promise from a God who can not lie. See, that's the truth that I know. I know that when he says that I have a home in heaven, I have a place prepared for me. I know that it's true. Well, the pastor's name, how do you know it's true? Because God can not lie. He not only will not lie, he cannot lie. And so when we see the promises in his word, we have such confidence. We know that it's going to come to pass. As God's representatives, we should keep in mind the following two things. God gives each person his or her own kingdom or sphere of influence. Every one of us. We have a group of individuals that hear our voices. There's people that'll listen to you. They'll never listen to me because I'm just a preacher. But when they hear from you and they see in your life victory and hope, they'll long for what you have. So each and every one of us, we need to use our gifts and our talents for the kingdom of God. And you know, Oftentimes, we make light of what we're doing. Well, you know, I'm just a, I was just a plumber. You know, I'm just a this. I'm just a working in an office. I'm just a, I'm just a. But you know, in your just a, you're the one that has influence there that nobody else has. And so rather than looking at it that way, you need to begin to look at it as your part of the kingdom where you have a, a place of influence. And then the kingdom of man is always secondary to the kingdom of God. You know, I talk about football. There's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with sports. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on, brother, help me out. <laughs> but, 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 it's secondary. It is. But it's, it's a Christian school, so. <laughs> We'll talk later. <laughs> Hallelujah. The kingdom. Everything else is secondary. 
Because there's only one thing that really matters. It's God's kingdom. Notice Jesus is king, capital K, of kings, small k. Priest, capital P, of priests. Lord, capital L, of lords, small l. That's the position we have. He is king of kings. And so what that means is he's, his kingdom is always priority over your kingdom and my kingdom. His lordship is always lord over that which you and I have lordship over. Because his kingdom is number one. He doesn't want to dominate us. But he wants us to have that mindset where his kingdom comes first. He comes first. And when we have that, he'll be glorified. He'll be magnified. Jesus is Lord. Possessing a kingdom mindset. It doesn't just happen. It's something we have to put effort into. Grace is a gift. But we put effort in from the standpoint we need to know what's been made available to us or we'll never be able to walk in the fullness of it. And so, Father, we thank you today for your kingdom. And Father, we represent your kingdom in this earth. And we seek first your kingdom, knowing that as we do that, all these other things, they'll be added on. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you cannot lie. We thank you that our minds are not distracted by everything that's going on around us because we focus on you. We set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth, your kingdom. And so by that, by your spirit, lead us Guide us. Allow us to demonstrate your goodness to those around us. And we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them and say, we're in the kingdom. <laughs>